Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash artcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash artcast. Thanks for helping us and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 154 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who is shipping up the boss and Robert Workman. Well, not for a few days, but yeah. <laughs> you know, PAX East is almost upon us. We got a we got a big show to talk about because there is a lot going down there. And uh, of course, you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, as if they didn't have enough stuff going on on the floor and enough stuff going on a Gearbox, we have our own panel. We're hosting a panel with along with Chef Mike Harris from McDonald's, of course. We're going to pair up foods with video games. And uh, joining us on that panel is uh, from YouTube, Professor Chime, a.k.a. Jesse Collins. Jesse, what's up, buddy? What is up? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, yep. absolutely, absolutely. And um, yeah, we're gonna have like some some great times at um, at like PAX East. So that you know that's why we're doing like this this kind of like pre PAX episode, basically kind of get into the things that we're like hyped about, things that we're gonna be doing during PAX. And um, yeah, it's just gonna be a stock show for sure. But uh, speaking of stock, though, we have a stock news section here. Uh, starting off with uh, the industry shaking news about Google's new entry into the gaming industry, uh, namely Google Stadia. Yeah, it's a curious name there, and they didn't really show like too much from it. I mean, they revealed a better looking controller than the prototype we saw, but I still don't know yet. But um, they revealed like a bunch of different features. Like it'll have integral use with YouTube. It'll have some sort of functionality with Google Assistant. Uh, they got a first party studio that's going to be headed up by uh, Jade Raymond. Uh, we, she was right. with EA and she also worked on Assassin's Creed. So they have a lot of talent there. But we saw very little gameplay from it. We saw like maybe a hint of Doom Eternal, which is confirmed for the system. And, you know, still no pricing, still no release date possibly something at e3 i mean it, it was definitely an introduction 
if you will. But you know, there's still a lot of questions lingering, and a lot of people, of course, took to to Twitter and say, like, "Oh, look, it's on Live 2.0. Hi, on Live." Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this certainly feels like I guess like Google's crack at what On Live was trying to do years ago. Uh, so I don't know, like I'm I'm just really curious to see like how it turns out, especially because, and I know a lot of people share the same. Uh, this kind of skepticism, I guess, about the service is the just like the online infrastructure in the United States, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, will it be able to support this? And I feel like if anyone could possibly support this, it would be Google because they did. Yeah, you because know, I, I know they did say that they're going to be running like through like their own servers. So they're not going like, to be like depending, I guess, on like the Internet that we know, but more of like, I guess, like their own Internet. Yeah, not actually, AOL dial up or anything. So thank goodness. I can actually <laughs> chime in a little bit here. This is um this is one of my big things. I'm a huge Google fan. In fact, I was part of Project Stream. I, I tested it alongside it. And With I got the, uh, say, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, right? The Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I got it for yeah. free at the end for just trying it and playing it, and I gotta say, it worked just as good as they said it did. I've heard good things about it. It's fantastic. My only concern that I really have when it comes to Stadia itself is the fact that you are streaming 4K uh, to your house, and that's a huge, huge sink on your gigabytes, especially Mm -hmm. if you have caps. And that is my biggest concern is with a lot of these uh, ISPs are like 300 gigabytes as your cap uh, Mm -hmm. for the month. And I... I'm sure that I could probably use that in a week if I really tried. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about it, but other than that, if they can get around it or figure out a way to um, maybe compress it a little more, I'm all in. I am a hundred percent in on everything they showed. See, that was a question I was going to bring up there because I mean, this thing probably smokes with Google Fiber, but not all of us have Google Google Fiber. Some of us are stuck with <clears throat> lesser parties. I won't mention them here. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's just really a question of if they can keep up this performance across the board and how does it affect people that don't have super high speed? I mean, there are people that still use AOL dial up these days. Obviously, yeah. Google's not going to, you know, maybe you could play Pong with that, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's. David, you I mean, going to say something. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, you know, to kind of build off of what you were saying there, I mean, that's that's essentially going to lock a lot of those people out, like anyone who's kind of like in like middle America or like just, you know, in places that are not by like big cities, basically. Um, that's essentially going to lock them out of like using the Stadia, period, you know, since it's going to be like online only. And that's that's always the thing I'm just kind of concerned about, like, you know, and, and I don't know if this is just kind of making me sound like old fashioned or just more practical, like whichever side that you, you know, that you think I'm on in this case. Probably just but, Uh, or that too Um, but uh, I I don't know like there's just nothing like having like the actual like you know thing either like you know know, like a game in this particular case like actually having the game either like on a disc in the the console that you're playing on or in like the box whatever that you're playing on that's already downloaded on there like just having that file on there instead of like just playing streaming at the same time I just don't know how practical that's going to be long form for most people in this country yeah and I think that's why PlayStation now or similar service didn't click the way it did. I think people, you know, it does have the download PS4 games feature, but they're still not technically yours. They're mm-hmm. still on loan and you have to have an online connection to verify them. Whereas, you know, even if you buy digital games, the digital games are on your hard drive. So you can still play your digital games, even if some, depending on the title, like obviously these games as a service won't work if your internet connection is down, but obviously something like, you know, Capcom beat-em-up collection will work just fine. So, I mean, you know, having a digital library is one thing, but you're right. I mean, there is something about having a physical 
physical collection. I'm actually part of this club on Facebook called Denver Switch Mob. And all the time we show like these new additions to our Switch game collections. I mean, I've been trying to like free up some room on my memory card so it isn't gasping for air. So I've been collecting more Switch games. And it's a pretty impressive library. You know, it's nice to actually have a balance of digital and physical titles compared to, say, streaming everything off of this service. Now, don't get me wrong. If Xbox Game Pass will stream games on the Switch, I will subscribe like a mother. But mm-hmm. it is nice to have games to lean on in case your internet doesn't work or if you can't afford super mega high speed like some of us can't. But, I mean, it, it does bring up an interesting – it's best to have options. It's best to have an options if you want to download the game digitally, you can. If you want to buy it physically, you can. If you want to stream it, you can. It's nice to have different things available. I think that's why Xbox Game Pass is such a hit because you can pick and choose what you want to play and – Sometimes it leads to like, you know, buying certain things. But if you have just strictly online, there is going to be a lot that's asked there. But the big question is, what's going to happen if this if their Internet isn't working? You're kind of screwed. Yeah, I, I guess that would be the case. Yeah, because like like the cool thing about, the you know, about like the service and this is like the one thing that I was really I'm really kind of, you know, really curious about as far as like how it works is that you can essentially sync up your controller to whatever device that has access basically to Google Chrome more or less. It's very Chrome-based. So I'm you know, I'm just kind of curious, I guess, with how that works, how well that works, especially when you're looking at, like, you know, countless devices now, which can run, like, a browser, more or less. Uh, pretty much anything with, like, a color screen, I guess. You know? yeah. I, I liken it to Chromecast, honestly. Um, so with Chromecast, I can just go straight from my phone uh, and just click on that Chromecast button, and it'll pop up a little list and go... Hey, is it one of these things that you're trying to Chromecast to? Oh, yes. Okay. And it's an immediate thing. I can Chromecast to a TV. I can Chromecast right, right to my like browser. I, I can Chromecast to uh, the, the Google OnHub on my desk right now. I, right now, no issues. And I can see them using similar technology with this controller just as a opposite uh, direction kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just depends how it does in the long term. You know, I mean, like on live started hot too, but then people realized, you know, like you're spending 50 bucks for a cloud version of the game. And then like the service went away and that $50 kind of went away with it. You know, whereas if you buy something on Xbox one, you can download the game or you can own it physically in your hands. And, you know, even if you like switch to another system or whatever, you can always either download it again or play the game on that again. So, and that kind of like takes me back honestly to what I was trying to say before, actually, just, just remember from, from me saying that like we are getting further and further away actually from you know, us owning games, basically, like yeah. games are, just com- are becoming more of like a service, just like, you know, basically that Netflix model, essentially, like you you are just paying like a monthly fee in order to have access to these, th- you know, to like these things that may or may not be there tomorrow, you know, and that's that, you know, like, I know for me, and like, I think that's kind of like the uh, collector mentality in me, um, as well as like, just kind of like, I don't know, that feeling of like owning something it's just like you know just 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 like you know just, just like uh like like um a couple of days ago actually um you know i got in my copy of spider-man into this into the spider-verse and like so now i know that i i own a physical copy of that like i you know i could pop in that movie into like whatever player that you know that i have like whether it be like dvd or blu-ray or whatever and i could just watch the movie that way as opposed to waiting for it on netflix i watch it when it's on netflix i might want to watch it again maybe like a few months down the road and netflix may have like rotated it out for something else who knows i just like that idea of like just being able to pull up something whenever i need to that's that's a big reason why i love you know still having my 3ds right now that has like snes games on there cuz i i like the idea of like being able to pull up and play earthbound like on the go if i really want to you know yeah i mean like i said options 
it's great to have things available here, but I mean, right now it doesn't look like Stadia really offers anything outside of you need an online connection, you need this level of speed. But if you have it, this is what we can give you, you know. But it, it, it's it's a straight line. It's not like multi-tiered, like what Microsoft's trying to do with its cloud service and its and its games and whatever its next hardware is going to be. And I think that's going to be an uphill struggle. Will there be acceptance? Will there be people that are excited about Stadia? Sure, I'll give it a try. Absolutely, I'll see how it fares me. I'll see if the controller doesn't break my hands. It'd be not, it'd be great if it didn't. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to also cast my doubts. I mean, I played on live for a little while there, but most of the games were provided on a press account when it shut down everything went away and it was like well bye so the question right. is yeah. what's stopping google stadia from a couple of years from doing the same thing now keep in mind I, I i think we should look at it more along the lines as the same way as uh games pass for xbox we really shouldn't look at it like on live but more like xbox where it's still it you know it it I can easily see them giving a lot of different games and having a subscription-based thing that allows you to play it. Because uh, one thing that they talked about in that uh, presentation was the uh, it, being able to click in your YouTube link and be able to just click play now and start playing Assassin's Creed. And that was a really cool concept, but it started to make me think is, okay, well, what is their monetization model, things like that? But at the same time, if you have, say, this um, subscription-based thing, you could click on it and just start playing immediately. And when they said five seconds, uh, I kid you not, that was how quickly it moved on um, uh, on Project Stream. And it was great. See, I, I like the connectivity idea, but what I don't like is, like, I believe they said that with the controller, you connect with it online instead of actually with a connection point inside you know that that's another interesting thing like you have to connect online with the controller i don't think i've ever heard of a process like this because usually when you want to play with the controller in a system you plug the controller into the system or you sync it up wirelessly you don't do it online i mean like the only thing i've seen online is if you need to update like an xbox live controller and even that only takes a few seconds so i think the big reason like behind that honestly is because like the controller is essentially the console itself like mm -hmm. you are connecting through the controller and that is connecting to basically the google servers basically to pull up whatever game that you want to play on whatever device that you're syncing up with uh, so i i guess that's a big reason like why it works that way and it's definitely very interesting technology. Like, I really love just, like, you know, trying to figure out, like, how it works and just, like, you know, just thinking, I guess, like, with what Google is doing in order to try to avoid the pitfalls that OnLive Experience or any other service basically like this uh, has, you know, has tried to move forward with. And we certainly, you know, have, have come a long way, certainly from OnLive, especially with what you know, with what um, Microsoft is doing with, like, Xbox Game Pass. Uh, but... Um, you know, I, like, I don't know, like, I guess there's still like that skepticism just because you just don't know like how well it's going to work. And there's always that fear, I guess, of just losing everything if all of a sudden the servers go down or. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of potential there, but we'll just have to see how it goes down. But I know a lot of people, they prefer a collection. They prefer something where they could just pick up and play and do everything like that. But I'll tell you, one company that has not been good with collections is Konami. <laughs> for for the past few years, we've been making jokes about them and everything about like, you know, what pachinko machine will they come up with next? But I do like the fact that they're starting to dabble more in classics. We recently saw the Castlevania 2 pack with Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night. And now, out of nowhere, they've announced three new anniversary or classics collections that are coming to Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Uh, first one we have is on April 18th. It's for the anniversary collection. It'll have Haunted Castle, which is the arcade Castlevania, Ajax, uh, Gradius, Vulcan Venture or Gradius 2, Life Force, Thundercross, Scramble, and Twin B, and it'll sell for $19.99. 
Uh, it's digital only, but that's a good assortment of titles. I mean, no Sunset Riders, damn it. But, you know, <laughs> these aren't bad titles. And then the Castlevania collection, we know about four of the games so far. Uh, Castlevania NES, Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse, Castlevania 2, Belmont's Revenge for Game Boy, interesting choice, and Super Castlevania 4. And there's four more titles that will be included. Hopefully we'll see Bloodlines, Rebirths, possibility. We talked about that before, David. Um, mm-hmm. Some good possibilities there. And then Contra, some four, four great titles there. The original Arcade Contra, Arcade Super Contra, NES Super C, still no sign of NES Contra, I'm not sure why and then super nintendo contra 3 the alien wars and four titles coming out as well fingers crossed for contra rebirth and contra shattered soldier and hardcore please and hardcore yeah for yeah. sure yeah. so some good some good collections so far i mean some interesting game choices but i like the fact that they're actually paying respects and uh castlevania they said this is the first collection so who knows when i get a collection in the future with castlevania 64 and judgment for some reason i yeah <laughs> I think they want to like spare people those memories, I guess, of those <laughs> no, games. No, if there's money to be made, they won't. <laughs> um, I mean, that's if people I, I, like actually buy them. That that's the whole thing. But um, yeah, no, the, the, you know, these these are like really cool uh, sounding collections. Uh, certainly from the arcade side, I'm actually really interested, especially because Haunted Castle is essentially like an arcade Castlevania. Um, you know, having like the two Gradius games in there is really cool. Having Life Force in there is really cool. I don't think I've ever played the arcade version of Life Force. It was always the NES version. Um, so I'm definitely really curious like, to uh, to play that, and um, I'm kind of wondering actually if that uh, if that like arcade version of Life Force is if that's more based on like a uh, Salamander, like the one that's uh, from like Japan and has like the um, I think I think Salamander has like multiple endings and things like that. Yeah, too. Um, I think it's based in the arcade archives version, and it's available on PlayStation now. So okay. I, I think it is the arcade version. I think it does have the multiple endings. I could double check that. But I mean, most of these are, are titles that you can get right now through the arcade archives thing. I think um, Konami's just doing like a re-release and, and including a couple of games that didn't come out with it, which is a pretty neat idea. Right. And so for the Castlevania Contra collections, as you mentioned there, there are still four more titles to be added in each of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is very interesting that they did add in Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge for Game Boy and not the Castlevania 2 on the NES <laughs> on there. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a, you know, there's a a specific reason for that. Um, It might be a terrible night for a curse, who knows. Um, But um, yeah, I I would guess like at least for those last four and uh, feel free to kind of like switch out like, you know, with whichever ones they think might be in there instead. But Symphony of Night, I think has to be in there. Rondo of Blood, I think has to be in there. Um, And I don't know, I'm like trying to think of like what the other two possibly could be maybe here. game boy advance games because those were actually really good spin-offs from the uh, symphony of the night like aria sorrow yeah, yeah, things yeah. like that maybe yeah. one if of they're those. not afraid to do game boy then game boy advance is on the table i'm telling you bloodlines needs to be on the table that game's been ignored for years and it needs bloodlines would be a good addition yeah, yeah i mean sure, i, I think sure. that would be in there and like i said rebirth I mean, we were talking a while back about how Konami still had the code for this, but now with the Wii Shop channel down, there's no way to get these games. So re-releasing them as part of these collections would be a nice little bonus. And uh, so for the Contra collection then, uh, so obviously we have the Arcade Contra, Super Contra Arcade, uh, Super C on NES, and Contra 3 The Alien Wars on Super Nintendo. So for the other four games, I mean, Hardcore, I think, has to be in there. Yeah, uh, um, Shattered Shol- so- Shoulder? Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had a Shattered Soldier, but... Yeah, don't you hate when that happens. Contra 4, I'd love to see that come back, because that was a great game from way forward. I thought Contra 4 would be good. Was that the one that was on the DS? Yeah. Or... Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that would be good to have on there. Hardcore would be good to have on there. 
um what was the hardcore uprising was that yeah like, but um... i think that's yeah they already gave that digital release so i don't think we'll see that again but i wouldn't be surprised was that recent though well it was backward compatible on xbox one i mean it wouldn't be surprised if they threw it in because you know it is a digital release probably easy to throw into a collection like this and it'd be great to play it on ps4 too and switch so yeah i mean i wouldn't mind it but i mean another one i'm thinking about is a uh, neo contra because this came out on uh, playstation 3 a while back as part of the um digital re-release thing and it i wouldn't surprise me if we saw that as well it's definitely different from other contra games but it's not terrible so i mean who knows right for sure for sure uh so jesse like which one of these are do you think you're most excited for like the arcade collection contra collection or castlevania collection probably castlevania i'm gonna probably say definitely castlevania on my end, um, I grew up playing some of the, the old uh, NES uh, games, so I, I'm really excited to see if they get like Rondo of Blood or Symphony or any of those as well. Um, I'm crossing my fingers on Symphony. Uh, we won't get Symphony. They, are, they already said because it got um, re-released as part of Rondo of Blood, they're not going to bring that back. I mean, who oh, knows? Maybe down the road, but I mean, doesn't look like it's going to happen. It could be pack two. It could be the yeah, second one. Yeah, out. better that than, you know, <laughs> Castlevania 64, but, you know. Right, right. So if that's the case, then, so that does seem a lot more likely that we'll see Game Boy Advance games on here as well. So that could be really interesting, you know, see, like, what happens with that. Uh, but we would be remiss to uh, miss out on uh, the, the other, like, huge news along with, uh, along with like, the Google news, actually, uh, which is about Lucasfilm Games coming back. Uh, so... Disney basically has resurrected uh, this studio from the dead. Um, and this is like the studio that was like responsible for bringing in games like Maniac Mansion, Secret of Monkey Island, uh, as well as Rescue and Fractalus, which was our buddy Sean Baptiste's uh, f- favorite game and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, besides Karnov, besides Karnov. Yeah, besides Karnov, but uh, it, it is like really interesting though um, to see you know to, to see this come back, and they're actually coming back not as a developer, but seems purely as a publisher because that's basically what they're looking for as far as like the open roles right now, the Disney career page, um, you know, as far as like you know for, for, for like the studio. But was what was also really interesting though is that they've been looking to add on people into uh, you know like into the company, I guess, like ever since 2017, mm-hmm. I guess, like at least according to like the. Um, uh, the like article here on it, so it's it is really interesting like that you know that they brought this back, and I'm just kind of curious to see like what they're going to do with it. Hopefully, bring back some retro titles as well yeah. in the Star Wars universe. Now there is an update that posted earlier today. It looks like it indicated that this does not mean their partnership with EA is going to come to an end. Uh, it will continue to hold on to that licensed model going forward in terms of their partnership with them, but. With all the hiring that they're doing, there is a chance that they could work with EA on the Star Wars games to bring those back and possibly work with them publishing other games. Um, So the deal isn't dead. It just looks like they're making sure to keep in mind there that this isn't a move forward to shift away from EA, despite everything that happened with Battlefront. You know, they seem really confident that's still happening. So I would would honestly disagree with that. And I think Mm, this is their way. I'm looking right at the confirmation. Sorry, That's what they're saying for sure. But like, I do think like in the back of their mind this is like them trying to keep tabs mm-hmm. on ea after what they did with battlefront 2 and you know just them having like the uh the license basically for now i think like six years and they and they came out with two titles so yeah i think that's kind of like a big reason why like even though like on the pr standpoint they will say that i i just i just think like now they're trying to inch towards like actually gaining control of the star wars license again for gaming mm-hmm. one thing that a lot of people don't give ea enough credit for is they actually do have more things going on than just battlefront and battlefront 2 you end up getting a lot of games like the old republic that they've kept alive even to this day it still has a thriving community 
um, unlike Star Wars Galaxies right at the very end there. Uh, but you, you end up getting, uh, and that was before the Disney purchase. That, that, that's one thing that a lot of people don't even realize. That's still going. And then you have all these mobile games. You have Galaxy of Heroes that started uh, just a few years back. And you've got um, like Force Arena and different games like that. And I'm really excited to see whenever they do announce things because there was another game. And I'm trying to remember the name of it was a Star Wars game offhand that was on mobile. It was short lived, but it was totally EA. It was the very first game that was considered post uh, it, it was post original trilogy, uh, like uh, took, Galaxy of Heroes or something. Was it? No, no, not Galaxy of Heroes. Mm. It was actually a completely different one. I'm trying to remember offhand, but it um, it, it it told a story that was after uh, Jedi, and it was the very first game to actually do that. Official in canon, it counts, and uh, people don't realize that we do have other games other than just the Battlefronts. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I guess, like, because of, you know, those be, kind of being, like, the major releases, I'm not sure, like, how well, like, the mobile games are doing or how well the Old Republic is still doing right now. Like, I don't know if you have those numbers off the top of your head there, Jesse? Not on top of my head. Galaxy of Heroes does fantastic. I don't know about Force or anything. It's like a MOBA. It's like a 1v1 okay. MOBA. Uh, or you can do, like, 2v2, I think. Um, it's not bad, but it, they don't get nearly as many updates. But Galaxy of Heroes gets constant updates, and that's been going on. That's published by EA. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that transitions towards the Lucasfilm publishing and how they'll handle it from going forward. I, I'm just kind of curious, I guess, like, with how... I don't know with um with where this kind of like I guess like leaves EA like in the future as far as like Star Wars license so because I I I do believe like you know as much as they might say otherwise that this is you know this is like a way for um for like Disney I guess to kind of keep like a closer eye I guess on that Star Wars franchise kind of wait and see but um I'm sure that now Disney is like after having like shut down Lucas Art games uh before like Lucas Arts actually um it's like years ago. Uh, was it like 2013, I believe, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, now they're back into it. So obviously they have some sort of, I don't know, something big obviously happened, like for them to change their mind and to restart this and rebrand it back to like what it was before. So I don't know. I'm just really curious with, I guess, like what their long-term goals are with this. And um, I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, um, it's, what, a, uh, what it's that a matter of winning back that audience, I think. Because, you know, a lot of people were turned up by Battlefront when they almost went through with that microtransaction plan. And it took a whole lot of free content to kind of win a lot of them back over. But there's still some people that were, you know, on the fence. So EA at this point is trying to make up ground. And well, we'll see what happens. Well, EA is, yeah. But uh, like as far as like what, what Disney is doing, though, yeah. I think... I think that's them, you know, trying to inch towards like, you know, owning that um that you know that that franchise again since obviously like there's the contract and the rights are are in um are in EA's court right now. Um uh, so there's only so much that Disney can do with that, but they, they they I think they do still have like the rights for like the older games that came out before. So those are the games that are not under EA obviously. Um so that's why like I think possibly we're going to see more like retro uh, retro remasters or retro revival of like old Star Wars games, possibly, um, just like how we saw with uh, with like Super Star Wars not too long ago. Mm -hmm. so, oh yeah, yeah. So I could definitely see something like that. Maybe they could do like a Super Star Wars trilogy collection of some sort for Switch. I would certainly love to see that. Maybe they could bring back uh, Dark Forces or something like that. Do like a collection of that. Um, they could certainly do like some really cool things now that they have like you know a studio again to like basically publish these games. Um, 
but yeah, I'm, I don't know, I'm just really curious, I guess, with, with, with what's going to happen because it's really like, you know, anything can really kind of come from this, especially in the long term. Yeah, I think it's the stuff that really takes us by surprise. So I would like to see if any of those older titles. But speaking of surprises, uh, there was also a Nintendo Indie Showcase today. And right off the bat, we were treated with some of the big news that's kind of confirming what Microsoft and uh, Nintendo might be doing as Cuphead has been confirmed for Nintendo Switch. It is coming on April 18th. And uh, there will also be a physical version released once the DLC comes out sometime later this year. So that's good news for fans. But there's also other games. Uh, Blaster Master Zero Two dropped today for Nintendo Switch from Inti Creates. That came out of yeah. nowhere. That was a little surprising. And also uh, Vlambeer Studios' Nuclear Throne, which is a really great shooter. Uh, that's t- available today as well. And then we have uh, other games coming up. Katana Zero, sweet little platforming action game with a rewind feature. Um, Cadence of Hyrule. This is an interesting one. It's Crypt of the Necrodancer meets the Legend of Zelda. It's I am yeah. so excited for that. That looked so yeah. good. Which, for people who who don't know about Crypt of the ne- of the Necrodancer, it's basically like a dungeon crawler that's music based, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so using the music of the Legend of Zelda in essentially like a dungeon crawler with Link with Zelda in it and all that, like it's it, it just makes sense and it's just a really cool idea. Yeah, I think so too. And there were a bunch of other games too, like my my friend Pedro from uh, Devolver Digital, which will be at PAX next week. We'll talk more about that later. The yep. Stranger Things three video game that's coming out July fourth, same day as the uh, forthcoming season a uh, new platformer from uh, double fine called rad sort of like a, an actually a 3d action rpg sorry too many games released today <laughs> and uh yeah a number of other ones creature in the well looks good um there was a uh, a couple others there, Darkwood, Ultra Bugs from Vlambeer, also Super Crate Box. Yeah, Just... Vlambeer kind of had like a collection of games. I know one of them, um, that uh, that Bugs game that's kind of like part of like this arcade package, basically. Like they're making like their own like kind of like arcade style games more or less, which they're, which they're going to like add more onto. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm definitely interested to see like what else that they come up with uh, under that label. Yeah, but I think a big one here is Cuphead because that kind of points the way because it's going to be supported by Xbox Live. Yeah, uh, Microsoft confirmed. Major Nelson actually tweeted out about it about a Nintendo Switch game. I'm like, ah, oh, the world we live in. Um, so you know, <laughs> it was it was really cool just to see uh, more details about that, and it kind of hints at what sort of collaboration we might see at E3 in a few months. I mean, so. I think this more or less confirms that we're also going to see Ori in the Blind Forest. I think that's an obvious one to add onto Switch. Oh yeah. Um, but this is very clearly, you know, you know, fueling more of those rumors that Microsoft and Nintendo are really buddy buddy, and that we're eventually going to see Xbox Game Pass like added on there. So I don't know, like it, it's just really interesting um, to say the least that um, you know that Microsoft is collaborating with Nintendo in order to bring Cuphead over to uh, to the Switch. So. I, I want to eventually see all of them just have some sort of nice synergy to it, even if it's just cross-platform and with sony being the way that they usually are i don't know how much this hope will go but i i want to see xbox and switch be able to talk a little more to each other we already have things like rocket league and fortnite that do that yeah that's true yeah the crossplay. Uh, sure, we'll see some sort of features for it down the line. But for now, you know, Cuphead is a pretty big deal. It, it is a fun game, and I know a lot of people are like, I can't wait to get that and get destroyed again because I want to be destroyed, <laughs> apparently. you know. So, and I'm crossing my fingers, maybe they'll have it at the Nintendo booth next week because Nintendo is yeah. going to be loaded up with stuff. They're going to have Mortal Kombat 11. They're going to have a bunch of the indies, probably the ones we saw like during the show today. Um, Yoshi's Crafty Crafted World, which actually releases next week, so I got to find out GameStop somewhere in Boston. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's just we'll get more into that with our PAX East wrap up. But I mean, Nintendo is really building up here. Uh, this is probably the first time in quite some time we've seen them just not only embrace indies but 
show the kind of support to really bring them to Switch. We, we've seen that push between the indie specials and the showcases and, and the stuff they do on the floor and, and the support they give all these teams. It's incredible. Like, you would compare that to Nintendo back on, the, like, the original Wii. Oh, yeah, well, we'll take your game, sure. You know, not right, really yeah, yeah. too much as a push now. It's like, please, yeah, hey, you know, everybody's, yeah, you know, because we've seen a success story. Like, Blossom Tales sold four times more on Switch than it did on Steam. So oh, yeah. there's something there. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So Nintendo is continuing to kill it, and um, Cuphead certainly will find a home on on the Switch. I think, uh, like, it, you know, it, it was already like one of those games that you know really made you kind of think about picking up an Xbox One if you didn't already have one. I, I know I, I was certainly in that camp <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, like having available on the Switch certainly makes sense. It's uh, you know, it's just like the type of game that just you know feel you know I think it will feel great on you know, on, on the Switch, and I uh, can't wait for it. Welcome. So that's going to lead us now to the part of the show called What Do You Play? And it gets the games we've all been playing or have recently beat. So, Jesse, with you being our special guest, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? I've actually been playing a ton of Starlink lately. Oh, uh, the, okay. Uh, I got it Switch on the version? Switch. Yeah, the Switch version, yeah. and I accidentally bought all of the toys for it. Accidentally, yes. Uh, <laughs> Oops, it was a wallet. great sale. It was a great sale. Now, um, <laughs> I got the game on sale, too, and I'm like, oh, well, since I saved so much money on the game. <laughs> right. um, so now I have every toy that goes with it, and I'm just, I'm loving it. It's so uh, fun for, uh, like, the Star Fox fans, and I, I keep, I keep drifting back to playing as Fox. It's just, I can't help it. How can you not, honestly? Um, yeah, exactly. seriously. He's the most thrilling uh, character in the game. So oh, yeah. I, I don't know. Some of the others are pretty good. There's this one guy who who it basically is like a plant-looking dude, and he's got like a mushroom cap head and stuff like that. He's, he's pretty cool, too. He's got some good abilities. Um, aside from that, I, I play a ton of Brawlhalla. That's kind of my main game. Um, I, I know that the, we're doing like, there's a championship match over at PAX next week. So I'm excited to go watch that. I'm hoping that we get to see some, uh, new announcements during that too. So I'm crossing my fingers. Very good. How about you there, Robert? Uh, my big one this week was the division two. Um, this one's getting reviews all over the place. Like, you know, there are people who absolutely love it. And then there are people who are thinking like it's an insipid shooter with repetitiveness and all that. Um, I was able to get through a majority of it and I like it. Um, there is some uphill struggles with the single player side of things. Like the AI, for some reason, is ridiculously bumped up if you try to go at it solo. But if you get a good battle group going with you, it's actually really good. Uh, it's enjoyable and the cover tactics are good. The graphics look really impressive on Xbox one X. So yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the division two. And if you're like, if you're a person that's looking to dig into a good online shooter with your friends, it's definitely the way to go. If you prefer something solo, I recommend Turok dinosaur hunter on Nintendo switch. I just turned in my review to these guys and, uh, it's very cool stuff. It's a very well done port works very well, both unlocked or I'm sorry, um, undocked if you will. And, uh, playing them through a TV, uh, beautiful graphics, great nostalgic sound. The cheats work. So, you know, on the eighth day, God created Turok. Do it. Uh, <laughs> there you go. It's a lot of fun to play. Uh, it doesn't have too many extras, but I have a feeling we'll get those with Turok 2 when it comes out later this year. So I really enjoyed the heck out of that. And then there's this one curious title I played that's called Claybook. Um, Claybook is uh, basically this, you, you play in this clay-based world and you can like craft stuff around it using this little blob that you play. And uh, 
It's kind of neat at first. It's created by this team over called Second Order outside of Helsinki, Finland. And they definitely got a good engine here. But, I mean, the game itself, I don't know. It felt like a, a chore to me. It didn't really grasp that level of fun like the visuals were. In fact, playing through this, I kind of wanted to play Skull Monkeys again on the original PlayStation. Because that's, hmm. that's a claymation game that, yeah, I'm attracted to that. Um, not that Claybook's a terrible game. It just I wish the gameplay was a little bit smoother in terms of, like, getting players there because there's sometimes you have to like you do have to do this digging where you kind of mold into the world with your object of choice but sometimes you can dig a little too deep and get yourself in the hole and you have to start over yeah that's that's you know like honestly that's kind of like the issue i feel like if you're making a game that is kind of like aping on the style of a more popular game and if it's just not as good you're really just making people want to go back and play that other game instead of your game <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean and not that it's like skull monkey skull monkey is a platformer and Claybooks is 3d adventure thing they're different games but i think it's just the clay dynamic that makes me remember like you know doug Tenable's uh classic clay style games you know yeah i'm Honestly, I want to track down a copy of Skull Monkeys now. But, I mean, Claybook is worth checking out if you're curious about, like, the clay animation style. Because it is really well done style-wise. It's just the gameplay kind of left me wanting a little bit more. For sure. Yeah. Uh, as for you, David, uh, I know what you've been playing. You've been playing that Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah, yeah. So I was playing the Mortal Kombat 11 stress beta test, um, which was uh, like for like three days, I believe, like over the weekend. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It was the first time for me being able to... Um, you know, just you know, just being able to play Mortal Kombat 11, and um, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely um, like people like who I heard like who played like an earlier version of the game uh, were saying like how it's on the slower side, characters are more weighted, and like all that stuff. And I definitely feel that. And I think like for after this like stress beta test, like that Death of Realm Studios kind of heard more people say that as well. So I think they're gonna like consider that as far as like what they tweak as far as like how uh how characters move and all that stuff when the game d does finally release uh that or have like some sort of like you know post-launch patch or something like that but um otherwise i mean like you know it felt fine to me it's just like something that like just kind of takes like some getting used to i feel like which is how you know how slow and weighted the you know that the characters are in combat is and just how um i feel like you have to be like a little more deliberate i guess with what it is that you're doing as far as like you know committing to certain like you know moves and whatnot um, but it is like really cool, like just being able to, um, you know, as far as like how like the gameplay is like really kind of breaks down to like the fundamental kind of like rock, paper, scissors, just kind of like gameplay mentality that fighting games kind of bring. So like, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun, really cool. And the, and it's, you know, an absolutely gorgeous game as well. It's like super, super gorgeous. Um, aside from that too, I'm still playing through Arcade Spirits, uh, which is that visual novel game by our friend Ant Schumann. Uh, so it, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a really charming game. Uh, basically you, you play as like someone who's, you know, just started like working at an arcade. Um, you are basically there to, you know, basically, uh, like, you know, find like your purpose in life more or less. And part of that also is like, you know, to find love if you really want to. Uh, I'm really big into Queen Bee personally. If you if you've been playing the game at all, Queen Bee is my jam. So definitely enjoying that so far. And aside from that too, I actually started replaying Chrono Trigger. Uh, so this is actually the first time I'm playing through the DS version. So I've had the DS version for like a while and I've been meaning to kind of play through it at some point, but I did recently take a bus trip to New York. Um, and I figured like I would just bring my 3DS and just play that basically like, like on the, on like the trip there and back basically to, um, to, to Boston. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It definitely takes like some getting used to, I guess, like with like the different UI that like I'm used to on the Super Nintendo version. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's definitely a lot of fun. And, um, I think like the one, 
Um, cause like, was, was this like, so far I think I'm in, um, I'm in like 2300 AD now. like after you like cross the ruins and after you like get like the seed for the people in the future. Um, but, um, like the one big difference I noticed is like when you find frog for the first time, he doesn't speak in like thou and thine and like you know, all that kind of medieval language like that, that actually got changed and modernized basically. So that kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. And, uh, it instantly, it, you know, like it, it instantly made me want to look through like the options to see if there was a make frog speak the way he spoke before option um but that's that's not in there but like it's not it's not like a huge deal but at the same time like for me being like a huge chrono trigger fan i i noticed it instantly um so that you know again like something to kind of like to get used to but uh you know it's not the end of the world but at the same time it's just like hmm that's that's you know that's different so um so yeah then that you know that, that's what we've been playing so i do have a game code here now to give away this is for ao a rain tail on steam so embark on a perilous journey to help Ao fetch water for her family. Overcome challenges and enemies as you explore sub-Saharan Africa in a daily daunting chore, gaining skills and wisdom along the way. Experience Ao's harsh environment as she confronts her fears and braves the unforgiving drought in this adventure platformer. So if that sounds like a jam, then definitely jump on this. Again, this is a Steam code. The code is LD8H6LEGBA. JDL4M. Again, that's AO A Rain Tale on Steam. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Stage of History. So, with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So, I figured since we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, about like PAX East and the games that we're excited to play at PAX East, uh, that we would talk about some games that are actually tied to the games over at PAX East. So, we'll start off with Samurai Showdown 2. So, this is a 1994 fighting game by SNK. SNK rebuilt it from the ground up after the first game's success, including characters and gameplay responsiveness. It was the first fighting game to incorporate an offensive block or parry in its mechanics. And despite its popularity, it was not released on any home consoles for several years aside from the Neo Geo CD in 1996. So, uh, I know, like, with, like, people who I know who are, like, huge Samurai Showdown fans, like, who just, like, grew up on the series and, you know, they're, like, just all about it. Uh, this is like the one along with Samurai Showdown 4 like, as far as like which one is better like it's kind of like Mega Man 2 and Mega Man 3 in that sense as far as its fans um, so yeah it, it, you know, it's a really cool game and uh, definitely feels like that this new one might be kind of taking some um, some you know some dibs off of so yeah yeah I mean I remember playing this in the arcades back when it was part of the Neo Geo lineup and I really enjoyed how uh, Samurai Showdown 2 came together. I mean, like, the original game was a lot of fun to play, obviously, but the second one kind of drove it home with with really tightened gameplay and, and new characters like Genjiro. Uh, he was great to see. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one, and I also got the home version for uh, Xbox 360, later Xbox One. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I think I need to warm up to it, too, because we're going to see that game at PAX. So I yeah. need to make sure I don't get sliced in half. You're getting some practice in there for when you and I face off against each other. So. <laughs> yeah, you're dead. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's one of the better games in the series, so totally. I actually have not played any specifically Samurai Showdown. The only Neo Geo I had was the Pocket Color. I have the Pocket mm. Color, and um, it was uh, Capcom versus SNK, so... Technically, I think there was some Samurai Showdown uh, games in or like characters in there, but that's the only one that I personally played. I am going to be trying it at PAX, though, so I'm I'm excited to give it a try. 
Very cool, yeah. Yeah, because I know that um, Neo Geo Pocket Color uh, game, um, well, there was a Samurai Showdown game, I believe, for Neo Geo Pocket Color, mm-hmm. but yeah, that uh, that SNK versus Capcom match the Millennium game um, that had mm-hmm. Haomaru and Nakaruru on there, I believe. Um, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited uh, to play Genjiro, because I know Genjiro will definitely be in Samurai Showdown. I don't think he'll be in the build that's a PAX, but um, you know, they, they are definitely bringing back like a lot of those like kind of classic characters. And I know with Samurai Showdown too. Uh, that was like the first time that we saw Genjiro, as well as like various other characters who were added in there. So yeah. we'll definitely see uh, you'll see how it goes there. Bring so. back Ganon and bring back Earthquake. Well, I know Earthquakes in it, but bring back Ganon. Earthquakes in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so next game we have here in the stage of history is Quake Two. So this is a 1997 first-person shooter by id Software. It was originally being developed as a new IP, but switched to be part of the Quake franchise after numerous failed attempts. And the main theme was partly composed by Rob Zombie. And the 1v1 multiplayer mode is still used today in tournaments held by the Cyber Athlete Professional League, which, uh, Jesse, I believe you're pretty close to like, just like, the esports scene in general. So do you yep. know much about that? Or? Um, for Quake, um, like Quake as a whole, nothing really big, but Quake Champions is such a big game still to this day. And really? it, mm-hmm. it went great when it went free to play, more or less. Um, and so I, I'm really excited to see the future of that, especially when we start, um, we started seeing characters like BJ and Doom Guy and stuff like that, mm, uh, in, in the game. And, uh, it, it's done nothing but great. I, I played it, um, I've been playing it since like the, the original beta, I remember, and it, it's just gotten better and it's definitely taken on the, the the doom uh like the was it the doom two and the doom three really really heavy um inspirations from those two right yeah like um i know like i like i haven't played much quake myself in general um but i did play like a fair bit of quake two at um what was it i was in ireland uh, no i was in australia actually and uh, I was with my aunt's friend, I believe, and he just had like a whole like network of computers kind of hooked up specifically so as to play Quake Two like LAN connections, and um, it, it was just kind of nuts because he had like a whole bunch of mods and everything so he could play as like Eric Cartman from South Park like on there and like a bunch of other like you know other characters basically, and uh, it, it, it's definitely a lot of fun. But it wasn't like a game that uh, I come I, I kind of completely got into. Like I wasn't really a big like PC guy in general, especially for like first person shooters. So. Um, but it's, you know, it definitely has like its place in history as far, you know, as far as like with like Quake 2, especially because of the fact that, uh, and, you know, I, I didn't even know this about it, like about it, you know, being developed originally as a new IP, because uh, I think they were trying to go for like uh, kind of like a Lovecraftian Cthulhu kind of like vibe a bit. And then I think like when they couldn't figure out, I guess, like with what they wanted to do as far as like, making a new IP, they just changed it back to like a sci-fi themed instead and just made a Quake. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Quake 1. Um, I, I remember, was it Quake 1 and 3 are basically sequels to each other and 2 and 4 are sequels to each other? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's really kind of interesting and confusing, I guess, at the same time. But I don't think people really play Quake for the story anyway. Quake was always kind of more of the multiplayer shooter for id, and um, Doom was, I guess, was, it was kind of like more of like that single player story kind of experience anyway. So, um, but yeah, it kind of worked out that way anyway. So, yeah. uh, Robert, have you played any Quake Two? Uh, not on PC. I ended up waiting for the Nintendo sixty four port, and <laughs> because at the time I wasn't really a heavy. PC game. Oh, I played that before. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, Quake 2 was handled pretty decently I think. I still prefer the original Quake on Nintendo 64 as well as Doom 64, but this was really 
a pretty good port. You know, um, I know the graphics were a little bit slower, but the gameplay still clicked. And I like the multiplayer. The local multiplayer was a lot of fun, too. But obviously, it came out at a time and, like, you know, it was competing against GoldenEye. So, obviously, got GoldenEye got more attention. So, um, I still thought yeah. it was a pretty decent port, though. And I wouldn't mind a new one down the road. I, I think... Quake 4, when it released for Xbox 360, it had a port of Quake 2 on there. Now, imagine if that N64 port uh, had, like, James Bond in there, just like how there's, like, Doom Guy, like, that's in Quake Champions, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, imagine that. Or, like, you know what? If they had James Bond and Turok Dinosaur Hunter in Quake for N64, I think that'd be, that'd, that'd be like, really dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my feet crack the cement when I run. My guns never run out of breath. The brightest is the sun, but I'm the color of death. My dome is bulletproof, I'm thicker than blood I'm a trademark marksman, brand name Scud Yellow and red, hello, see me, you're dead I pull the trigger for you, you make a sandwich, you go to bed uh, So that's going to lead us now into Obscura for Obscura, um, well, there's a game coming from Devolver Digital called My Friend Pedro that's going to be on the show floor, and it just shows this wild assassin who does whatever it takes to kind of stay alive in these ridiculous, bonkers situations. And it reminded me of this old Sega Saturn game called Scud the Disposable Assassin. Uh, this game came out in February 1997 and is based on the comic book series of the same name. Basically has you playing as a disposable assassin who... Uh, Basically, your job is like, you know, you, you purchase an assassin, they kill their target, and then they're dead, right? But this assassin has a conscience. So he kind of dispatches his target, but he doesn't kill them. And instead, he keeps them on, on sort of life support or whatever. So he has to go and make a living and take down other targets in order to pay these medical bills and stay alive. It's an interesting uh, touch there. And I think, uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of love that went into the game in terms of like its tone. I even think like the the creator of the comic book, Rob Schraub, that's actually his name. Uh, he felt it did justice to his characters. Um, the game itself had some uh, interesting gameplay. You could either play with the gamepad or you could play with the Sega Stunner. Um, there were like different modes that you could actually choose between the two, and you could actually do two stunners if you wanted to do the whole John Woo dual wielding thing. Oh, works um, like that too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty neat system. The thing is, uh, the game, you know, it had some catchy gameplay, but there were some people who thought it was a little too corny for its own good. Apparently, this was, you know, decades before we'd get Deadpool and Deadpool, Deadpool 2. So obviously people didn't know yeah. how to take cornball <laughs> in style, so... I mean, that's um, that's essentially like what the character is, as far as I know, because I, I didn't read the comics, but I do remember that there was a very short-lived animated show. Um, and I've always been interested to check it out, but it's just like one of those things that's just like so obscure and just like so like out there that whenever it does kind of come to mind, I'm in a situation where I just can't just pull it up or whatever to watch it, and I just like forget about it basically. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of cool that, that that you know that there was like a game based on it as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought so too. And um, and I think the only problem with the game, the, I mean, there was like you know good two player play. You could have two players doing the stunners thing if you wanted to do that route, but it was too short. Like some people thought that the game you, you could get through it in like a couple hours, I believe was, was the length. You know, at a time they were like expecting something longer. But I mean, you have to understand, like there wasn't really too much Sega was doing in terms of dabbling in like old school comics like this. You know, like the closest thing we got to like a, like an underground comic game was what Spawn a little bit later, or for like PlayStation, right? I believe right. that was it from Sony. Yeah, so I mean, like. At the time, we weren't really getting too many comic book licensed games. I mean, now, you know, it's a dime a dozen. We're getting a lot of, you know, we're getting Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, and we're getting Turok, Dinosaur Hunter, and all this stuff. And, you know, back then, they were very cautious about approaching franchises that weren't exactly known as big hits. And it didn't sell incredibly well, but Scud did have a decent following for a while there. 
And, you know, maybe one day we could see a re-release, who knows. But it's definitely one of those games that stands out as – it definitely fits into the obscure category, I'll tell you what. Because, I mean, yeah. like, it's an example of, like, you know, a developer really trying something new, you know, hmm. with a comic franchise that that's not entirely popular. It's sort of like when THQ released uh, that Danger Girl game on PlayStation. I mean, oh, right. it was forgettable, <laughs> but it, was, it ended up being forgettable because of the way it was programmed, but it was a neat idea. You know, in terms of like giving this comic brand some exposure with its own video game. I feel like Scud would be like hanging out in the same social circles as Howard the Duck. You know, like they kind Probably. of feel like they would like hang out together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, how are you doing? Huh? I don't want to talk about it. Can we just drink? Right. <laughs> Please. Uh, Jesse, do you happen to have any experience at all with Scud, like as a franchise or Sega Saturn games at all or anything? You know, it, not as the game itself, and I'm a comic book reader, and I didn't even realize it was a comic, but when you said it was an animated series, it made a light bulb go in my head and made me remember just vaguely the animated series when you said that. Yeah. I remembered <laughs> it's that that super obscure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's going to lead us now to our main topic, which is all about our PAX East impressions and predictions, and also what we're all individually doing as well um, during, during the events. So um, I guess we might as well start off with like just like, the games that we're most excited to check out. And uh, we did mention about like Samurai Showdown before, and I think, uh, le- at least with the three of us, that might be like the most anticipated for all three of us. Is that right? Mm, I want to play the hell of it, but seriously, dude, I mean, I've been jealous of Street to Rage 4 since you played it last the last PAX. So <laughs> that's my most anticipated. But it is definitely, Samurai Showdown is definitely in top five there. Because ever since the announcement, which, by the way, made Hip Hop Gamer quit right here on our show. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've been eager to see, like, how they incorporate the 2.5D style, like, the 3D style graphics with the 2D style gameplay. It's always a great effect that they mix up in there. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be pretty fantastic to see it in action and feel it and, you know, slice David in half. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could definitely share your excitement, though, for like Streets of Rage 4. Um, even though I did get to like to play it uh, before, it, it wasn't really... Um... I don't know. It like it, it wasn't really like fleshed out into like its own game yet. Like it, it still had like a lot of assets from like Streets of Rage two right. in there, and it used like the um, like the hand drawn animated style like in there. But um, it was just kind of giving you like hints and ideas as far as like what the full game might look like, pretty yeah. much, or might play like. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely really excited to kind of see like uh, how it looks now, like after some progress, and uh, and also to see what other people think. Uh, you know, especially you. Yeah. And then we know what you're going to do. You're going to jump right over to Windjammers too, because that's what you're going to do. <laughs> well, I do have a you know ha- like have it in my schedule, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for uh, you know for Windjammers two, uh, Streets of Rage four, certainly Samurai Showdown. I think might be the tops in there, um, but I'm definitely most excited to see what Yacht Club Games has in store because they yeah. have been teasing the hell of what looks like some sort of ninja action game. Yeah, I mean, the, you know them. They they always kill with their game, you know, Shovel Knight and their expansions. So they're definitely got something cool in mind there, and I'm eager to see what it is. I'm surprised we didn't see a tease today, but there are a couple of games that, you know, they kind of snuck under the radar on us. Like um, Behemoth is actually going to have, like, big presence with Castle Crashers Remastered. Uh, they're releasing right. oh, it for Switch yeah. and PlayStation 4. I mean, we got the breakfast Thursday morning, so obviously we, hey, while <laughs> we're here, could we get yeah. a little... 
you know, Castle Crashers. <laughs> They'll surely have it there, like at their booth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a big hit. And, and you know, considering how well it sold on Xbox One, it's going to be like the Cuphead scenario. It's going to sell really well on the Switch, especially with the local play. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm excited to see that. Microsoft's going to have some good presence too. Hopefully, maybe we'll see Battletoads. But I know one game they're definitely going to have is Killer Queen Black. Uh, this was checked out last year at E3 on Switch. I loved it, but they just confirmed it for Xbox One. Microsoft will have its center stage, and it's going to be a lot of fun to play. I do love this game, especially arcade. I mean, Jesse, I don't know, Jesse, David, I don't know if you guys ever played the arcade game with like nine other people, but there's nothing <laughs> like it. it. It's incredible. It, it really is. We actually interviewed the developer once for yeah. Killer Queen. That's on my personal list uh, as well, mm-hmm. uh, that I, I got to try it. I really, really uh, am excited to see how it plays on console. Um, we actually, um, over at uh, Twin Galaxies, we actually interviewed a, a the developer, and we interviewed one of the leagues uh, that plays the game on arcade. There's an uh, there's a league in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's apparently a bunch of leagues, but oh, yeah. this one specifically. Mm-hmm. And um, so, Killer Queen is definitely on my list as well. Yeah, and who, you know, like I said, Microsoft may sneak in Battletoads on us because we haven't heard anything since the announcement last year. And I think mm. PAX would be a good spot for it because it seems we're getting a lot of stuff announced. We'll get into that as we talk about Gearbox. But I want to touch on a couple other bases. Like Devolver Digital is going to be there. They're going to show Katana Zero, which we saw during the Nintendo Direct. Uh, My Friend Pedro, which looks like this bonkers shoot 'em up game, which mm-hmm. is pretty intense. Which and, um, okay. I have to mention as well, during that Nindies showcase, uh, those trailers that they showed during during like the Nindies showcase uh, were, were actually censored. Like they actually took uh, out like a lot of like the blood and stuff out of there. I don't know if you mm, noticed that. Yeah, I did. I did. I actually did. I'm yeah, so excited then, to like, see the game though. I mean, it's gonna be fun. Oh yeah, yeah, for for sure. But like, like I thought that was like very interesting, especially because like it, it just feels like Nintendo's like again like trying to. Um, I don't know, trying to look at peace, uh, family friendly kind of like mentality, I guess, again. Yeah. Um, well, they were tipping, they were like tiptoeing on eggshells because like, it wasn't like an eShop game where like one of the screenshots showed some nudity. Because <laughs> I think they were in a little trouble for that. Which game? Um, There was like one, it was like uh, the Red Strings Club or something from Devolver. Like one of the screenshots showed a nude dude being like strapped to a chair. I mean, you couldn't see anything, but it was still, he was definitely naked. Yeah, yeah, no, like, um, yeah, because I, yeah, like, I don't think it really shows anything like explicit, but I mean, like anything that could potentially be like, uh oh, like possibly get the hot water or whatever. I think Nintendo's yeah. trying to shy away from, even, um, even when they showed off like at that last uh, Nintendo Direct. Um, they had Mortal Kombat 11 there, like in the showcase, but all they showed were like clips from like the story trailer that didn't have any like blood or like you know bloody gameplay in it or whatever. Like it was just like, oh look, Scorpion holding his yeah. chain, and like oh look, Raiden coming down from lightning. And, it's like yeah, there's, there's nothing there. <laughs> there's know? curiosity there because Mortal Kombat 11 will be at the Nintendo booth. So yeah. my question is, will the blood be turned off in that version, or are they going to be like, <laughs> are they going to be like moderating, like okay, nobody under 18 can play this game? You know, I mean, they'll have probably it. have like the gameplay but under like a black curtain or whatever so you have to go in with like a parent if you're like yeah, under right. 17 or something have it, have it like tapered off or something and be like i'm sorry david nope can't play it. nope nope <laughs> but right, right it's gonna be interesting i want to see how that version shapes up because it's made by you know it's made off the original code but it's developed by a different team and i kind of want to see how that version shapes up because obviously it's not yeah. going to be as bold looking as xbox one and ps4 but if there's a good squad behind it it'll be a terrific version of the game for sure I'm definitely curious about it, yeah, like, specifically that version, because I'm sure we're going to be, like, talking more about it over uh, Nintendo Enthusiasts, so mm-hmm. um, it's definitely one I'm kind of keeping an eye on to kind of see, like, how it turns out. 
Um, another game I have to mention, this is actually like the big reason why um, why I brought up Quake 2 in the stage of history, it was uh, Wrath, Ian of Ruin. Yep. Uh, it's kind of like a new, like kind of like retro shooter, kind of like in the vein of like Dusk. Um, I think I've seen like some like early builds of this and it looked very impressive. So I'm just kind of curious to see like how it plays now. Yeah, I mean, it definitely looks like a fun old school shooter. I, I definitely want to get my hands on that. That's going to be good fun there. Um, and then I'll tell you what else. Uh, we had Dave Oshry on the show a while back. Uh, he was talking, of course, about Dusk. Uh, Dusk is actually going to be playable at his booth um, at PAX. So you'll be mm. able to see that version of the game and check it out for yourself, which is, I think it's, that's worth checking out. And plus, you know, inflatable chairs. So those are nice. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It, like, is, is it going to be like the, uh, the PC version that he's showing off? Or? Um, the Switch version, yeah. A oh, Switch version. Oh, okay. Interesting. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. And um, yeah. So Jesse, like, is, is are there any other games that you're like looking forward to, or they have scheduled? Um, games that I have scheduled and all that are things like Killer Queen and uh, Samurai Showdown. But I'm really excited to see what Gearbox has up their sleeve. That's the oh yeah the the big panel. They've said there's five games. Mm-hmm. I think they're up to at this oh, point. God. Yeah. Boy, I'm hearing Bulletstorm yeah. port for Switch. I'm hearing. Borderlands 2 port for Switch. Uh, it's bonkers. I hope it's a handsome collection. That way we can get like Borderlands, yeah. Borderlands 2, pre-sequel, you know, things like that. I hope that maybe we can also see, I, I don't know what it is, but one of the ones that they uh, showed the tease for was just a, it was a red like ampersand. And a lot of people are trying to figure out what it is. I'm not sure what it could be, but I'm kind of crossing my fingers that it's their, um, uh, what is it? Their their Dungeons and Dragons knockoff that was in Borderlands. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The Tiny Tina D and D. So a lot of people think that it could be that. I actually went a little left field and I said Sam and Max. Oh, okay. Yeah, if it was Sam and Max of some sort, I'd be totally down for that. Yeah, I mean, like, the ampersand could certainly be, like, a number of different things. Maybe Kane and Lynch, I don't know, or something. Um, <laughs> you know what? Gearbox doing Kane and Lynch, I would actually give it a try. I mean, it would, it would kind of <laughs> make sense, too, honestly, but um, I don't think it's going to be Kane and Lynch. But I think Sam and Max would be actually, like, a pretty good uh, guess and also one that I would love to see, personally. So I'm going to be hoping for Sam and Max in that case. Well, I mean, you got to keep in mind, Sam and Max have met Claptrap if you count, uh, uh, was it, um... Oh, the, the Poker uh, Night. The Poker, yeah, the Poker, poker Game. Night. Mm-hmm. Um, poker so Night 3 would be great. It's not... Oh, oh, man, that would be cool. If they announced Poker Night 3 for Switch, I'd be down for that. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> throw, throw, like, you know, like, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Mask. Cut the cards! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, Gearbox's panel is going to be probably the big attention getter, especially if they announce Borderlands 3, because a lot of fans have been waiting, like, an eternity for that. I actually yeah. pissed some people off today. I did a meme. I did the thing where the guy's looking at the girl while his girlfriend's mad at him, and the girl he was looking at was Bulletstorm <laughs> Switch News, <laughs> and the girl girlfriend was borderlands three people like hell no what's wrong with you robert yeah all right you're right um yeah no i mean like i I think it's like pretty much like a done deal that's that's gonna be borderlands three and i think that's a good guess there jesse as far as like the handsome collection coming to switch i think you know that's definitely a good idea uh certainly poker night three i think would be really neat and um yeah i'm definitely gonna cross my fingers there for um for like sam and max so gearbox could actually really steal the show at pax uh, without people realizing it so yeah and see how that Um, i mean there are other games that we, we 
would be interested in there though. Like Arcade Crew, the guys who are doing Blazing Chrome, they'll have that game oh, there yeah. along with a new title. A new, a new title, yeah. yeah. I know Devolver also has an unannounced title that they're going to be revealing at PAX. Yeah. Too, and then so, uh, yeah. there was a team that worked on Coffee Crisis, which was originally for Sega Genesis, and then they released it mm. for Xbox Live and Nintendo Switch. They have another Sega Genesis game called Lethal Wedding, which is sort of like a twin-stick shooter. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm going to check that out, and they're going to give me a couple of Genesis cartridges, so I'll give them away or play them or something. I'll figure out something, but it's definitely it cool. It sounds like it could be like a Hotline Miami sort of yep, game. I think so. And then there's Double Kick Heroes. Uh, we talked about this a little while back. I think it's a music rhythm game where you play as a, a heavy metal band in the post-apocalypse, and you have yeah. to follow certain rhythms during like boss battles. <laughs> I, I, I love the soundtrack for this because it's got like Gojira and a few other great bands in there. So <laughs> nice. that one looks like fun. And then one other sleeper one I want to mention because we were mentioning a few sleepers there. Uh, Freedom Finger. Uh, this is oh, like yeah. a, a side-scrolling shooter with shooting hands, and it has the voice talents of like John DiMaggio from Futurama and Gears of War. It has Nolan North in it because I, I guess fingers need voices. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean there there are a number of games on here we could literally run through here, and we didn't even touch Bethesda. Bethesda is going to oh, do their yeah. uh, their game days thing at the uh, MG O'Connor's in Laugh Boston across the way. And they're going to have Rage 2. They're going to have uh, their new uh, Elder Scrolls expansion. Um, who knows what other surprises they'll have. That's like two full days this year, too. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that. But uh, usually they only do that one day at PAX. And yeah. this year, it's two different days. Not to mention they're taking up space in MJ O'Connor's. That's usually a go-to place for meetings. So it would be like with that bar taken up, where are people going to go? Starbucks, right, right. you know, <laughs> Starbucks. Sure. Have to. It'll be and, like donkeys if it was, uh, yeah. if it was Boston. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I also got to give a shout out to 505 Games, my buddy Rachel Caswell, who works over there. Uh, they're going to have Control playable. Mm, I yeah. want to get my hands on this because it looks like an amazing remedy game. Um, yeah. And they're also yeah. going to have Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, as well as this new game called Indivisible, which looks really interesting. Oh, um, is that like the hand-drawn animated like 2D like uh, kind of brawling game? I think so. Yeah, it was like a role playing adventure with with this really sweet looking anima- animation. I believe that's what it was. Okay, because I think I remember seeing like an early version of it. If that's yeah. the same game I'm, I'm thinking of. Yeah, but they're they're gonna have huge presence at the show though. I, I'm really excited to play yeah. Control. Yeah, I wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, Wizards of the Coast. Ooh, yeah. One thing that I noticed is they're usually over on the tabletop side of the exhibitors. This year they're actually on the actual game side because they're really pushing for that Magic Arena and the Magic like esports. Uh, side of things so i i'm really excited to see what comes out of that magic arena is doing fantastic as an esport but also as a game as someone who had the old like magic or the gathering like 2017 2018 things like that we, we we're seeing that magic arena really shape up is this coming to to switch or it's it, no, no, it's actually it's a PC game. So there's like Pokemon trading card game online. There, there's different games like that. Think like like Hearthstone where it's a digital game. Oh, we gotcha. can get the digital boosters and all that kind of stuff. Um, so w- Wizards of the Coast has uh, their own game and they've had their own version of the game. It was on like Steam and it was a big deal, but they didn't really push it too hard. Then Magic Arena came out and I actually got into that beta and I got to try it out and they've it's out now. But they announced like a full esports league, like a full esports, like, you know, money and prizes and all that. And it, it's such a cool thing that they, they've they decided to take this market. 
Very cool, very cool. And um, since Mortal Kombat 11 is going to be there at the Nintendo Switch booth, um, I'm trying to like guess as far as like which new character that they're going to unveil during PAX East. Well, they just did uh, Kotal Khan and Jackie Briggs. They just yes. revealed them today, so more than likely they'll be playable. Uh, they they might be playable, yeah. yeah. Um, although, as far as like who will actually be like revealed though, like during the event, because usually they like reveal like on like Wednesdays or Thursdays or whatever uh, during their combat cast. But obviously, since PAX East is happening, Mortal Kombat Eleven is going to be at PAX East. I mean, I'm just thinking, and this is kind of like you know just throwing it out there because there were the rumors on Twitter about John Cena playing a striker, and John <laughs> Cena is from Boston. So oh, you think he's just going to like pop up out of nowhere? <laughs> hey, where do you what? come from? I didn't see him. <laughs> da, 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 da. yeah striker and all that um so i don't know i mean it's kind of like a bit of like an out there kind of guess but what if you did have striker revealed uh for mortal kombat 11 at pax east and john cena is actually at the at the nintendo booth getting people to play mortal kombat okay, now, now the question is is he going to be dressed like striker from ultimate mortal kombat 3 or is he actually that's what i'm saying like it has to happen <laughs> that's what i'm saying uh, yeah because now, now i will be at that booth i mean i'll be like yeah he's gonna be here he's gonna he's gonna show there you up. Go. i don't see him but uh, he's gonna show up somewhere yeah, exactly exactly he's so, here somewhere like yeah i mean I, they're not gonna have an actual mortal kombat booth which i'm a little bummed by but they are doing the um closed beta that weekend so i assume that they're gonna get attention there also do you remember a game we talked about a while back called treachery and beatdown city that's gonna be on the yeah show. it's like a role-playing beat-em-up sort of deal uh very tactical like pixel but graphics very cool. yeah, yeah but very cool and very well done so i'm eager to get my hands on that and then there was this other one um close to the sun this was revealed a while back so we're like a first person bioshocky sort of experience a trailer came out a few weeks ago. That's going to be on the show floor as well. So mm-hmm. th- there's a lot here. You know, there's a new Messenger DLC. There's new Dead Dead Souls DLC, which is actually tacks onto the game. And there's this other game called Earth Defense Force Iron Rain, which is sort of like a, a Starship Troopers sort of approach. It's done by the guys who did WWE 2K uh, at Ukes. It's not done by the usual team at Sandlot. So it's definitely more serious. And I can't wait to dive into it just because I, I like schlocky starship troopers like, like where I'll blow up a building and nobody's going to care. But nobody's in it. You know, the cities are right. abandoned. I'm not <laughs> I'm like, ah, I die. No, I'm not like that. I'd be like, oh, the city's OK. Well, I'm going to use these to crush bugs and kill robots. And yeah, I saved the world. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think it's. Just- yeah, like um, one other thing I have to mention, too. And this this is actually like a card game, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have I have like an, an, um, an appointment to go see it, uh, which is Street Fighter Exceed. So mm-hmm. this is the Street Fighter nice. game, which I believe was Kickstarter funded. Um, it was started by Angry Joe, the YouTuber, and um, I'm just really excited like, to like check this out. And I believe people like who are like media, like who are going to like, do, you know to go check it out. I believe they're also getting a free copy yeah. of the game as well. So I'm doubly excited now, like to check it out. And uh, also, hopefully, Angry Joe will be there to like, do like an interview, or whoever's like doing the game basically will be there for um, for like an interview. So we'll definitely learn more about it uh, as Pax East rolls along. Okay, so. you're, you're gonna need to tell me about this so I can go with you. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, me too. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, kind of, you know, so, so now, like, I'm kind of curious, like, as far as like what our personal plans are for PAX East. So Jesse, like, I know you have like three different panels going on. These are like your your first all time panels too, right? They are. I'm um I'm nervous. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, oh, calm down. Because. Yeah, I, but <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got one on Thursday. It's the games of yesterday that shape the games of today. Uh, so it's uh, talking about the history of games and how they um, have helped shape, you know, the, the Dooms and the Wolfensteins and how they shape the Halos of today and things like that. 
Um, the the other the second one I've got is with Retronauts uh, Gaming's Holly Worst Moments. It's basically it's the opposite of what you're really thinking. Instead of it being the you know the movies that are based on games it's the games that are based on movies and how bad they can be somehow. oh don't invite dave to this because if you get a street fighter the movie he's gonna jump up and hit. <laughs> oh no i'm making sure to mention that personally street fighter the game the street fighter the movie the game has to be mentioned of like course. you right, david. can't you can't have a panel like that without mentioning that game oh, um <laughs> i'll be there uh, and then, of course, I'm on one with you guys. Yep, in which we are going to talk foods that are paired up with video games. Uh, we're going to be talking to a great extent about that. And hopefully before the panel, we're going to have our, uh, our special live taping with several guests. We're going to see who we can get together. So, yeah, Sunday will be a fun day. Indeed, indeed, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, so that, um, that panel uh, that we're doing with Chef Mike from McDonald's, that's going to be at Sunday at noon. And um, Jesse, when are your other panels happening there? Um, the first one, the games of yesterday that shaped the games of today is Thursday at 3 to 4 p.m. at the Arachnid Theater. And the Retronauts Gaming's Holly Worst Moments will be Friday at 3.29 from 4 to 5 at the Bumblebee Theater. Mm, yeah. Very good, very good. And I'll tell you uh, one other thing we're doing. Uh, my birthday is March 29th. <laughs> I was going to mention that, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm turning 23, it's great. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I will make sure to get you a drink. Yeah. At the Acer party. Oh, yeah. Well, well the, free, the free one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Thanks. I know. I, 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 I am making no, sure. I am making sure. No, I am making sure we drag you to limited run games and you buy me a game there. That's what we're making sure. <laughs> you and Bill Gardner, everybody's just lining up. No, um, we're going to probably go get a burger or whatever, and then we'll party over at the Acer party or whatever parties open up. That's the thing I noticed about this year. The parties have kind of calmed down a little bit. We don't have Twitch this year because they're not even at the show. I haven't heard anything about what Facebook's doing or YouTube's doing. So it's really about the smaller get-togethers. Like Maiden MA or Maiden Massachusetts is on the 28th uh, with That's a right. bunch of indie yeah. games. I'll be there. I'm sure David will show up somewhere. Jesse might I'll show be up. there, yeah. Yep. And then uh, then we have like a, some sort of media molecule seat up, a meetup on the 29th and then Acer's big thing. And then some other small stuff on like Saturday and Sunday. But it's like no major parties this year. I mean, aside from Acer, Acer is going to be bonkers. Ace is going to be big. Acer is yeah. at a different place yeah, this year. Yeah, bigger place, I think. It's at the House of Blues this yeah. year, if I recall, instead of the usual. Mm, I mean, it's not Jillian's. Obviously, Jillian's is the place to go for a major party. We've seen that. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but it'll be just a good time to really catch up with people. And it's this year is going to be a fun show, I think. I think, you know, there there's going to be some a nice balance of announcements, some really good indie games and AAA stuff that we get to see. And... I, I think it's just going to be a fun show. Uh, I don't see why it's not going to be. Unless, of course, Marshall Morgan bugs me too much, in which case, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then it'll be a great show. Uh <laughs> For you. <laughs> <laughs> For me to poop on. Oh, look, Rob's suffering. Quick, get a camera. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so PAX East happening very soon. Uh, it's happening uh, in a week from now, basically. Uh, so definitely really excited to check that out. Oh, and one other thing I have to mention, actually, which I forgot to mention. Uh, the day before PAX, so on the Wednesday the 27th, um, I'll be checking out Crash uh, Crash Team Racing Nitro Refueled mm -hmm. as well. Like, there's like a special showing of, I believe, like uh, away from the convention. So uh, I'll definitely be giving my thoughts on that on NintendoEnthusiast.com. So nice. definitely look out for that, as well as like all the other games which are going to be coming out for Nintendo platforms, uh, which will be uh, on, on NintendoEnthusiast.com for Paxies. So Sounds be like on the lookout for that. Please be excited. <laughs> and uh, I'll have some stuff coming up as well. I'll probably publish a few over at Marooners Rock, as well as MMOGames.com and Pro Sports Extra, where I do a little bit of blogging here on the side. Um, 
you know, it's a good place to like, you know, sound off on new stuff. I just did something on Cuphead and, you know, the editor was like, wait, Cuphead? I'm like, yeah, Cuphead. Yeah. <laughs> I said Cuphead. Did I stutter? <laughs> Cuphead, do you speak it? <laughs> there you go. And uh, Robert, I believe you have a game code here to give away. I certainly do. I just need to find it. <laughs> I, I had it pulled up here, and then all of a sudden I had too many windows open. to be like, oh. It runs away from you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, thought you could escape, did you? I have a code for R-Type Dimensions on PlayStation 4. This is, of course, a compilation released by Tozal Games that features R-Type and R-Type 2. You can play in classic form, and you can play in remastered HD. The game is also available on Nintendo Switch and PC, but this is for the PlayStation 4 version. The code is TK3NQPNJ9PPJ. That is for our type dimensions on PlayStation 4. Enjoy. Why did I forget the platform it was on? <laughs> I'm getting old. It's a long day. I'm almost 23. I got to be careful. Choose your character. So that's going to lead us now to the part of the show called Random Select. So this is a yes or no 15-question game to guess which video game character that Robert is this week. Uh, so basically, it's going to be Jesse and I acting as a team to guess which video game character that Robert is. Uh, if after five questions we don't get it, he'll give the first hint. After 10, he'll give the second hint. And if after 15 questions that we don't get it, then it's game over, as Raul Julia would say, speaking of Street Fighter the movie. Uh, so uh, whenever uh, yeah, so um, so whenever you're ready there, Jesse, you can, you know, you can start off with the first yes or no question. Um, okay, we'll, we'll start easy. Um, um, is the character human? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Uh, is the character, or has, has the character ever been in a Smash Brothers game? No. Hmm, okay. Um, is the character from a retro game? Yes. Hmm. Is the character from a fighting game? Um, not one-on-one fighting, but definitely fisticuffs. Okay, all right. So there you go, hint. Rarely hint, why not? Is the game from a brawler? Yes. All right, the character from a brawler. Yes, so there you go. Uh, First hint there, despite how I'm dressed, I'm ready to kick ass. Huh. Okay. Um, Are you in the Streets of Rage franchise? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'm trying to remember the names of the characters. Um, well, I know there was you... uh, I know there was Axel, there was Blaze, yeah. and Skate. And <laughs> are you a male character? No. Oh, okay. Uh, is red your favorite color? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on the game. It could be orange if you're playing. You know. Yeah. Favorite. Well, she's usually known for wearing red. So. Yeah. Just, just say it. Just you got it. What, what is? What are you gonna say? Are you Blaze? I am, yes. Very good. (laughs) Very good, very good. Under 15. We did good. Yeah, and uh, the second clue I was going to give was uh, move over, Ryu. I've got a mean fireball. (laughs) Because she does. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, um, yeah, from Streets of Rage here. But do you know Blaze's last name? Uh, Lebowski. I don't know. <laughs> the cat. Yeah, you know the, the, the fireball really brings the room together. <laughs> no, it's actually it's actually fielding blaze. Oh, fielding. fielding. Okay. Yeah, and Makes I figure sense. you know it says we'll be playing our Streets Rage Four. I thought she'd be a good choice. So yeah, uh, that is of course random select. And uh, once again, David cheated. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, since we are a retro show, and I know we normally dabble with games and everything like that, but I wanted to bring this up because it's a little bit of good news. Uh, for the longest time, it was rumored that uh, Bill and Ted's uh, Face the Music, the third chapter in the Bill and Ted series, 
it was supposed to be in production. You know, Alex Winter was on board. Keanu Reeves was on board when he's not killing everybody in the John Wick universe. Um, so this morning they took to YouTube and they made an announcement that shooting will begin this summer and the film will release on August 21st, 2020. Uh, they said it is all because of you guys. And so we owe you a huge debt of gratitude and we wanted to say thank you. And of course they did the wild stallions thing, which was nice. And yeah, so, I mean, it is great to see Keanu and Alex on board. We're not sure how the story will go. Uh, the original screenwriters, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon are on board. Uh, Dean Parasot, who directed Galaxy Quest, he will be directing. And apparently, like I said, the name will be Bill and Ted Face the Music, but some people will just call it Bill and Ted 3. But, yeah, you know, as if Ghostbusters was enough to look forward to next year, now we have Bill and Ted coming back, which is, of course, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say, like, I'm, I'm a huge Bill and Ted fan. Uh, I'm always just kind of skeptical whenever... I don't know, old beloved franchises come back after many, many years. Yeah. Uh, especially when you have like the same actors of all two, because I know there's going to be a Beetlejuice sequel. And um, I believe that's also going to be done uh, with like Michael Keaton in there, Winona Ryder and all that. So Yeah, and Tim Burton directing, right? And Tim Burton directing, I believe. Yeah. So like uh-huh. just seeing like those characters, especially with like Bill and Ted, like as like older guys and everything. I'm just kind of curious how they're going to write that. Well, they'll probably write it, but like, you know, like they've been just relaxing all these years and everything like that. And then somebody travels from the future, be like, your song is needed. And who knows? They probably have to relearn the music. <laughs> I mean, because remember, they did the time travel thing and they needed, what, 12 years of experience to save the world in Bogus Journey? Yeah, but like in Bill and Ted, too, like they basically saved the world. Like they came back as like their older selves with the long beards and all that mm-hmm. stuff and death, like rocking out on station and like all that stuff. So station. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's another thing, too. They have to bring back station and, and they death. have to bring back death. Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, they, William Sadler said he's already coming back as death. So that's. Oh, really? Yeah, Interesting. So okay, it'll be great right. to see him. Back. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, sometimes sequels don't seem necessary. Like, you know, John Wick, he killed everybody. So we didn't really need John Wick 2, but then he came back and he killed more people. Now we're getting John Wick 3. He'll take out everybody else, apparently. So, there's always you know, more people to kill. There, there, <laughs> there's always a reason to bring back. I mean, if it's done in style. I mean, like you know, I mentioned Ghostbusters. The reason Jason Reitman kind of wanted to do that, he wanted to, what was it, quote unquote, write the ship after the all-female version, which I actually didn't think was bad. But I know yeah. a lot of fans are kind of looking for that reboot of sorts. I don't know. I mean... <sighs> It's an I, I honestly think that it's going to m- confuse people. I can see people going, well, Ghostbusters just came out. Why is Ghostbusters 3 coming out now? Yeah, I, I mean, better late than never, some people might say. I'm, I'm glad we're getting a Bill and Ted sequel, and I'm curious to see what Ghostbusters does. But, you know, some sequels like Ghostbusters 2 we didn't really need. I mean, as cool as Vigo is, we are but flies to him. I mean, I, I mean, that's that's kind of thing. I mean, like I do like Ghostbusters too, but like it was, I did. It, it was definitely. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't as good as the. It first. It wasn't as good as the first, sure. right? So now you got a question like, what the third can do to kind of make up for that, and if they tie in anything that with the 2016 film, whereas Bill and Ted Three, they're probably going to pick up, like you said, years later after everything left off, and all of a sudden they're like, "Whoa, they better not do anything to my dog." <laughs> you know, right. but I I want there to be in jokes. I want them yeah. to really make fun. It's kind of like the the Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot. Yeah, that they're doing. They're that doing. Too. It's and, a, just a direct sequel to Bill and Ted. Uh, Bill and uh, Bill and Ted. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, and it, so it, it's a direct sequel, but it's a lot of tongue in cheek humor. It's a lot of jokes and in jokes, and you you got to watch the other you know six or seven movies that you know they can make those jokes about yeah. but i feel like bill and ted's gonna do the same thing yeah and if they do it right then it's really just 
fan service. That's all it is. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's all it is. So the big question I have now for this third movie, what are they going to do about Rufus? Because obviously George Carlin's not around. They said they might bring in George Carlin's daughter to play a new agent. Which really? I am That'd for. Cool. I think that would be a neat idea and pay tribute to his character. I mean, nothing's been finalized yet. I don't know if she's on board or not. But I mean, it sounds like they they want to get her because that's the. I only don't even know like who she her. is, so she may as well be like anyone at this yeah, point. You know? Agreed, but I mean, it'd be great to see you know what what she has to offer. I mean, I, I I'm just yeah. I'm eager to see. And I wonder also another thing: Are they still going to use the phone booth? Or are they going to get like a cell they phone? And be to. like, what are they get like a cell phone? We can't well, fit in this, dude. That's got to be like a joke, right? So like yeah. they got to like pull out like you know have like a smartphone and be like nah, and then pull out like the freaking like like the phone booth and everything. Do you have a phone booth we can use? And while we're at it, can we stop by Shakey's? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Things are afoot at the Circle K. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, let's go back to the Circle K, dude. 69. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. But, I mean, this is great news. This, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't know if we'll see a new game because, you know, the last one on NES didn't exactly work out that well. But it'd be great if you saw something like Way Forward do something like an RPG or something. Would be a lot of fun, a time travel RPG. I mean, it'd be a lot better than uh, um, than like the NES game for sure. Yo, <laughs> way leagues better, <laughs> leagues better. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll wait and see on that. But um, yeah, so I, I do have some uh, some shout outs here for our patrons. So thank you to Francisco Limas and Mac the Ball for your uh, for, for, for like helping um, support the show here. So um, so yeah, and you know if you want to uh, check out like what uh, what perks that you can get for uh, you know for basically becoming a uh, you know for be- for becoming an Argonaut, uh, you can find us at patreoncom Argcast. So uh, and Jesse, where could people go like to find you online? Well, they can find my work on websites like Twin Galaxies, Super Parent, and Trek News. But you can really find me at uh, Professor Chime, the YouTube, just Professor Chime, or also the Twitter at uh, Professor Chime, no space, where I do all of my Pokemon YouTube and Pokemon influencerness. Um, so that that's the best place to find me. Have you done a Nuzlocke series on your YouTube channel? I have not yet. I have considered it, and uh, I've been debating on what game I want to use because uh, the newer games are harder to do, but it's more classic, so I might end up having to use a ROM and emulator to get something like an Emerald or something uh, to be able to do a Nuzlocke properly. Mm. I mean, you could do like a whole like series out of it. So like, if you do like one, then move on to the next, and just kind of keep doing, uh, do like the Nuzlocke series basically from there. I mean, you know, just just an I, you know, and like idea because that, that's always been like the thing that was always kind of like I guess like attracted to me about you know about like the Pokemon series is when people made up the whole Nuzlocke series to make it more difficult. So, oh yeah, I did a Nuzlocke just on my own on the 3DS uh, Virtual Console version of Pokemon uh, Blue. And um, it's ridiculously difficult in Gen One games. I gotta say, I bet yeah. um, <laughs> it, it's it's it didn't get invented until like Gen Three, I, I believe, and that's for a reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very cool, very cool. And uh, you can find the Arcast on Twitter at Arc Podcast. Same thing for Facebook, facebook.com slash Arc Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at the Guilty Man. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash the DCD. Please be sure to check out our partner site, Don't Feed the Gamers, at don'tfeedthegamers.com. That's run by our good friend Liana Rupper, where her and the team there give fan-centric news and reviews in gaming. 
If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at rcasts at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts, especially of the Star Wars variety. There's the flagship show Brews and Blasters, along with Kanata's Castle and Starship Sabres and Scoundrels. There's also Beltway Bonthas, which combines both Star Wars and politics, so if you're of both minds, it's definitely the show for you. And there's also the Animaniacast, if you're an Animaniacs fan. The Deucecast, for all you movie buffs out there. And the Techno Retrodads, if you're into a variety of old-school stuff. There's also us with our cast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not follow another Retro Gaming Podcast. That is episode number 154 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro, and we will see you guys next week at PAX East. Just follow the chef. Indeed, yes, yes. Or or like the blood after uh, after I beat Robert and Samurai showed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you, you and your dreams, they're, they're a little wild. <laughs> you, you know, uh, yeah, just because you get to go to New York on a whim. You know, <laughs> Nintendo store, hey, I'm going to pose next to, oh, you do it first. You look yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> you look good, pose next to Donkey Kong. There you go. We're going to make the dream a reality. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, if we got a photo of you next to Donkey Kong, you would just be like Cranky Kong there, wouldn't you? Dude? Yeah, well, I'm like that. Anyway, so. <laughs> you really are. Yeah, I'll take Funky Kong. Oh, there you go. Funky Kong. We got fine. Funky Kong here. Yeah, you, you gotta have the sunglasses though. That's the only way it works. You gotta bring the sunglasses. That's right. That's right. I'm not gonna complain. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're Dixie Kong or anything. Oh, how's my hair? Is it good? Yeah. Is it good? All right, we're not dressing as the Kongs, but we'll definitely see you next week at PAX East. See you guys then. Catch you later. Hi, I'm Justin. And I'm Josh. And we host the Pretty OK Gamers Podcast. Think of our show as water cooler conversations with a little less gossip and a little more geeking out. My Halo, I think, is Legend of Zelda. What? No way. No. Who are you again? I'm Justin, and we're we're rather (laughs) okay at playing pretty good games. No, no. Every week, we talk about games and their history, and even ask ridiculous questions like, are open world games even good? So come join us every Sunday on the HP Gaming Podcast Network. See you there. See ya.